Welcome to 54 Live, your live golf podcast. I am your host, Digsies, and we are joined once again by my buddy, Jake. Jake, how's it going? Life is pretty good, especially if your name is Charles Howell III right now. Oh, he is feeling great right now with $4 million in the bank. Um, plus, what, what did he get for the team competition? That was, uh, they split, what, seven? Yeah, they, well, they, they all would essentially get 750 if they did it like they did last year. But um, apparently, the team equity stake goes differently this year, where it's going toward the team itself um, with maybe uh, it covering like travel expenses and such for the year. So who knows how that works? But yeah, um, his split, if they did it like they did last year, would be yeah. 750000 Yeah, so over $4.5 million. He's, he's feeling really good right now. Absolutely. Especially since he hasn't won since what? Was it 2017, 2018? Yeah, it's been a few years. Yeah, but we'll, we'll get to Charles out there in a second. Before we get to anything, I just want to say thank you to the followers that our last episode that we published last week, season two, episode one, was the most downloaded, most listened to episode in Live 54 Live Golf Podcast history. So thank you to the followers and a big thank you to Jake, you know, stepping on here, being my co-host with the knowledge, you know, you, you definitely added to that and uh, we got a great one-two punch going. I really appreciate it. It's only going to go up from here, especially as we have more opportunities to see and just know how to communicate and be able to reach out to you guys. Thank you for uh, surviving that first episode with us, and we're happy to be here for you guys. Yeah, there'll, really be, there'll be no more dings. There'll be no more background noise. We got everything figured out. And while I'm being so nice to Jake, man, I got to say, you called it. You said you had five guys last week you said that will play well. Carlos Ortiz, Pat Perez, Graham McDowell, Charles Howe III, and Danny Lee. Charles Howe III won it. Perez came in seventh, Ortiz in ninth, GMAC 13th, and Danny Lee 34th. So you hit it out of the park with Mayakoba. Thank you. Um, you know, when you have an opportunity to look at a PGA Tour course that's been used in the past by the tour, you have an opportunity to see who's going to have the confidence going in and what it actually means. And it, 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 you have to look at that. You have to think about that. And so, you know, that was, that was very helpful for me being able to help give you guys an in, the inside track and what to, who to look at. Definitely. Now, heading to the course on Friday, um, Jason Kokrak and Paul Casey got off the fast starts. They led the tournament six under. You had Carlos Ortiz, Taylor Gooch, and you lined back at four under. The Crushers went wire to wire this week. They started 10 under on Friday. The Aces and Smash were 7 under after round one. Uh, what was your thoughts after round one? Did you think that, you know, Kokrak and, and, and Casey would be able to pull it through? Or did you think that something else would happen? You know, I thought Casey had the best chance out of Kokrak and Casey. Um, Kokrak is a power hitter. And you got to understand about this course. Power hitting can work on that course. It's a 7,000-yard course, not very long, but by... Uh, pro Tour standards. Uh, most Pro Tour uh, uh, courses are between 74 and 78,000 yards. Uh, sorry, not 1,000, but 7,800 yards. And when you look at uh, Mayakoba, Mayakoba is 7,000 even. Um, that's pretty short um, for, a, for a Pro Tour. And however, you can capitalize a lot if you can hit the drives in the fairway. But the moment you start missing the fairway, you are in trouble. And so, Kokrak, you know, Big bomber, a little wild sometimes. And so I was, when I saw that first round, I was like, eh, I mean, he's doing well right now, but can he do it all week? And I just, I wasn't thinking that. Yep. And we saw that right out of the gate. Round two, first tee, 
you know, Kokrak lost it early. Uh, hole number one, he got what? A triple bogey? Hit yeah. two shot, the first tee shot into the uh, Mexican jungle. And uh, he, he lost it early. And, you know, he, he wasn't, you know, near the top of the leaderboard the rest of the tournament. That first hole on Saturday, round two, took the win completely out of his sails. Um, round two, Peter Uline, he had a three-shot lead before heading to the back nine. He bogeyed two of his last three holes, um, but he was able to eke it out. He shared the lead at nine under with Taylor Gooch. Gooch played great Saturday, bogey-free. Five under 66, and Charles held the third, man. He creeped up. He was one shot back at eight under. Um, Casey and Leishman were three back at six under, but at that point in time, I felt that it would be Yulon Gooch or Charles Howell the third, and you know, Charles Howell the third obviously came through, but they had some tough pin positions in round two. Uh, they did. Uh, one of the big things is that they put the pin on number five. Number five was the the par five I was telling you guys to watch for the entire week, right? Yep. Sorry, the, the par the five. Water, yeah. The water on yeah. the left. So either they put the pin right up against the water, either you're going to take on the water or you're going to bail out right. Exactly. And they did that. on uh, Day one, that pin was in the very, very front, which made the made that hole about 40 yards shorter than it was the next two days, which is a big difference on a par five. You know, we're talking about two club links. Uh, for those guys. And, you know, when Diggsy, if you're hitting a seven iron into the green versus hitting a, a five iron into the green, how much more likely are you hitting that pin? Oh, I'm, I, I feel 10 times better with a seven iron. Five Absolutely. iron, it goes left, right, all over the place. <laughs> exactly. I was at, top, kind of I was at Top Golf this weekend with uh, my buddies, and I took my son, who's two and a half years old, the first time swinging a golf club. And we played the game like where like, you get nine shots at different holes in Pebble Beach. And mm -hmm. I'm winning the game when the holes are like 75, 100, 125. Then the first hole, 165. Well, it was like 175. And my first time swinging clubs this year, I had to hit a, a, a six iron. I hit it into the water, even at the top golf range. I'm like, even the, the water even finds me there. So, yes, a seven iron versus five iron, night and day. Exactly. And that's kind of the same for those guys. I mean, yes, they're better at it than we are, but there's, you know, you start giving them a longer club. You know, more opportunity happens, and that's what we see. Um, and you know that—that's what we're talking about. Tough pen locations on the next two days that forced you, to, if you wanted to try and cover ground, you had to make something happen. And it wasn't really though the uh, fairway to green that killed players this week. It was the tee box. The tee box was a murderer this week. Yeah, you saw a lot of, sh and even on Sunday, look what happened on Sunday when. Uline and Gooch both hit it into the jungle, and you had Uline friggin' doing landscaping out there, moving a ton of tree branches and everything just to try to, you know, there was some funky lies. And, and then a whole later, Gooch was up against the tree, uh, the tree um, root, and he had to take an unplayable. So they found yeah. a lot of trouble uh, for the left side and the right side of the fairways with the Mexican jungle. Yeah, and I, I don't think there was a single player this week who didn't have at least a one double bogey on their score card. Uh, believe it or not, Charles Howell III, first round, number 12. Um, Cam Smith hit it in there earlier on that same round, but then he hit it in that same exact spot um, up on the rock rock crevice on number 12 and had to, you know, chunk it out, take it unplayable, whatever, but double bogey. I, I'm pretty sure every player had at least one double this week. Yeah, the, tieway, the fairways were super tight. Exactly. This was... This was basically, and I was telling you this uh, on Twitter, like just on the texting on Twitter. Um, hey, whoever has 
the smallest ego this week and can bag the driver will win this tournament. And I don't think I don't think Hal hit driver once on the entire back nine on Sunday. No, he didn't. And you also saw it with Paul Casey and in, in, in the back nine around two, he was laying up and you know just finding the fairway, finding the fairway with the metal wood or a hybrid long iron. And, you know, he, he took that, you know, game plan and it worked for, for him for a little bit, but ultimately it worked for Charles Hall III. Uh, it, and, and, you know, when we say this, I mean, everyone played their heart out. Uline, um, Greg Norman was talking about it, especially how good he is at flighting the ball, at hitting the right height to be able to control it in, in wind. Um, and his ball speed's insane. Uh, he's at 190 ball speed, which, guys, if you understand that, um, in order to hit a 300-yard drive, you roughly have to hit the ball at a 160-mile-an-hour ball speed. I mean, he's 30 miles per hour over that. Charles Howe the third. No, uh, Peter Uline. Oh, okay. He's a big boy. Yeah, yeah. He has some speed on his club. I, I saw something on Twitter that uh, somebody said that other than John Rahm, Peter Uline was ranked number one as an amateur longer than anybody else other than John Rahm. So they said that he is ha- he, coming out of college, coming out of the amateur ranks. He had the same amount of talent as John Rahm, Cantlay, Spieth, Justin Thomas, what have you. He just wasn't able to see that talent on tour yet. So, you know, watch out. One day he might find that. And for, you know, 36 holes, you know, maybe 45 holes, he found that this week at Mayakoba. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, they were even talking about this at the end of the broadcast. If number 12 is replayed or skipped, um, he's, you know, pretty much tied with, with Howell. So, very different ballgame um, if he didn't have the disaster on number 12. Yep. And, you know, speaking about Howell, man, he just completely showed up on the final round and he tore that front nine up. He went out with six birdies. He ended up winning the tournament 15 under, and I think it was Faraday, or maybe it was Arlo, who said it. He said that if Charles Howell III hit every single putt one foot harder, he probably would have won a dozen times. Yeah, and that was out you know, in his entire career. They're talking about how he's been a conservative player his entire career. Um, that's something that you see a lot of players on the Corn Ferry Tour not do, is be conservative. They just... They're they're shooting for they're shooting for sixty every round, right? Because that's they know that they live and die by whether or not they win this one event. Howell was that player whose entire career has been the guy who is content with picking a paycheck every single week. You know, if you look over the last twenty years, he's somebody who's made more cuts than probably anybody else combined, and that's because he played a lot of events and he played consistent every single week. And they were saying, hey, if he would just play more, a little bit more aggressive on putting, for instance. Um, he'd, he'd be a you know, winner 10 times more over. And they're probably correct. He was yeah. playing aggressive on the putting this week, and it showed up. Yeah, and, and he, he, was, he was rolling the ball really well. And um, like we said last week, he had over 90 top 10s in his career, which is you know, remarkable. But after the round, he said the depths of the fields out here really need to be talked about and appreciated. And it does, because... The, the way the official World Golf rankings is not giving ranking points to live guys is a sham in, in my view and anybody else's view that, you know, is a true golf, you know, loyalist. And you saw it on the coverage. SI.com just came out with new rankings and the difference between Dustin Johnson, who I believe is 50th in the world in the official World Golf rankings, I believe he's in the top 10 in the SI.com rankings. And there's also another one, I believe. 
the universal golf world rankings, something needs to be done with these world ranking points. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. And at this point in time, I'm, first off, I'm really glad that Liv decided to reference um, on two different days. They referenced both of those new ranking systems against the, uh, the OWGR, which is the official world golf rankings. Um, my personal favorite is the TUGR because they do go past the top 100. Sports Illustrated only shows the top 100 right now. The TUGR goes all the way through. And the big thing I love about the TUGR is they actually include the senior tour, the Champions Tour players, which I believe that's... Yeah, and I love that because if you think that there's 100 players in the world better than Stephen Alker right now, you're out of your mind. Stephen Alker is a boss right now. When he shows up to a tournament, he is striping it like a stud. And we're going to see that this week, by the way, on the, on the Asian tour. He's playing in the New Zealand Open. So watch that okay. this week. Nice. I, yeah. I, I Honestly, I, I can't lie. I never heard of that guy, but I will tune in. I, all I know is that, you know, when you go into the Champions Tour, that Bernard Langer is just tearing everything apart. But I got to check this guy out. Yeah, I apologize. Stephen Alker is a, uh, he was a, a guy who didn't actually have a guaranteed spot because he was never really a big player, you know, throughout his career. Mm-hmm. Um, he qualified into the Champions Tour and won like uh, three or four times last season and won their order of merit on the Champions Tour. Um, he's just, he's one of those guys who any round you expect him to shoot seven under right now on the Champions Tour events, which are a little bit easier courses, but they're still, you know, they're not gimmies. Yeah. That's so, exciting. Um, yeah. Turn yeah. it on later in life. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, so Charles Howell the third took it home on the fi- in the final round. Live Golf, Maya Koba, Uline came in second, 12 under, Brandon Gase, Grace hit podium at 10 under in third. And then on the team side of thing, man, the Crushers completely crushed the competition. Twenty six under uh, by nine. They they won by nine over the Aces, who's finished seventeen under. And we've been calling them Torque, but now we've been told that it's Torque. Uh, Torque came in third at thirteen under. And honestly, Bryson had a good day on on Sunday. Three under. It helped yeah. catapult the Crushers. You know, Casey played well. Lahiri played well. They had all around. Charles Howell the third killed it. Casey was number two, but all around they had a great team effort out there. Yeah, there was never. Um, there's a lot of players on this on this course this week that were struggling to break 75 uh, day in day out. Right? It was just that tough a course. And the Crushers, as a team, never had that situation happen. Right? They had every single player break 75 every day. And that's huge on this on that course. On that course, that's very huge because they didn't have somebody who was putting the team in a in a horrible position, right? Like Siwon um, Kim, yeah. Like Siwon Kim, for instance. If you guys didn't know, he he did not break seventy five one day. Um, he, he he shot eighty two, seventy seven, seventy seven. And understand, I, I'm not hating on him as a person. I'm not hating on him as a player. We know he's talented just to be there, right? But when you show up and and play that rough, you're putting your team at a serious disadvantage because now everybody on your team has to shoot better than that, right? And the rest of his team showed up too. Nah, one under, yeah. uh, Scott Vincent three under, and Danny Lee was three over. So the rest of the team didn't do bad, but Kim, 23 over, just completely, you know, they he, honestly, you're only taking three guys' scores every round, but you need all four guys to play well because you know, like, like if you got a few guys that are right there, one birdie from one guy and a bogey from other, it could totally tip the scales. 
Absolutely. And when you're forcing your team to take, you know, scores that are like 74 and 75, because you're shooting 77, you're really hurting your team, right? Exactly. Um, you know, you want everyone to be under 75 every single round. And I know that's kind of a low expectation, but that you can recover from a 74. You can't recover from having to take a, you know, you can't recover from having to take like a 76 or a 77. And that happened to like the cliques. Uh, the cliques on day one had had to record a 76 on their on their team scorecard. Because Laurie Cantor, right? He, he Yeah. He was filling in for Martin Keimer. Martin Keimer, you said it already, right? You said that Martin Keimer it was going to be injury concern for the cliques. And already, tournament number one, Martin Keimer's out and Laurie Cantor filled in. Right. And I was appreciative to see Laurie Cantor back in. He was somebody that Richard Bland and GMAC both spoke highly of at the team event last year whenever the uh, cliques were eliminated by the four aces in the, in the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, they were really appreciative. They were happy. They were saying, hey, we're, we want him back next year, right? And, you know, to see him as the designated player for their team is awesome. He played solid the second two rounds. 73 on that course, by the way, is not a terrible score. I will take that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. But his first round of 79, you could tell that he had just probably touched down at Mayakoba not too long ago. Yeah. And, and it didn't help when Wiesberger shot six over the, the second round and exactly. he finished 11 over. You know, GMAC played well. You know, GMAC had a little bit of a resurgence. You know, he four under, um, but the rest of the team didn't pull their weight. But I, I will say one thing. I like the green that the leagues are rocking. It's very clean. It's very mature. I like the colors they're going with. It, it fits the personalities of the team, which is uh, low-volume voices, um, you know, very businesslike. Uh, none of those guys are boisterous, um, braggadocious. Um, you know, they're not. They're not. They're not making waves, right? They're not making conversation. They're just out there playing golf. Yes, exactly. They're ready to get down to business and just take care of business. Now, one of the guys that was taking care of business in the third round that completely surprised me, uh, Brendan Steele, six under in the final round. It was the best round of the day, other than Charles Howell the third and. The high flyers were one of my bottom three teams, and I got to say, I was surprised by them. They, they played very well, and after what we saw with the Cleeks and the Ironheads, I feel like the high flyers are one tier above them, and, and they aren't going to be as bad as I thought. Um, Tringali won under. Phil was one over. He played well all week other than round two, which he had trouble with those tough pin positions. Um, Pyatt was four over, but he's the young guy in the crew. You know, he, He'll find his groove. And um, yeah, I, I very impressed by the high flies this week. Absolutely, you know, Phil. Phil shot, by the way, sixty-seven on sun, on Sunday. Um, that's a good score on that course. Um, if you guys don't know, that's four under on that course. So him and him and Steele both shot um, a collective ten under score for that team that round, and really propelled them forward as far as in the standings. They went. They were like right on the very bottom going into that round. And they, they, got, they finished mid, mid-table, I believe. I mean, uh, 10 under. Um, if I remember correctly, Torque uh, finished at like 13 under and got third place. And then the High Flyers finished 10 under. So, I mean, there's a very small difference right there, you know? Yeah, they finished in seventh. So, yeah, Torque, 13 under. You had Stinger, Ripper, 12 under. Fireballs, 11 under. And then the high flyers on the range go 10 under. That, that third spot flipped a bunch of times in the end of the final round. You had Stinger in there. You had Ripper in there. You had Fireballs in there at one point. And then 
at the end, Torque with the nine under team score on Sunday, they came up and took that final spot. Yeah. And it was, there was some good drama there. Um, you know, Munoz, uh, uh, Mito, Munoz, and Neiman were all struggling. And, and those three are going to be the guys who carry that Torque team. Okay. Uh, we, we, ex- we expect David Pooch to uh, come into his own at some point, but, you know, we're mostly expecting Mito. Uh, Munoz and Neiman to be the scorers on that team. Yeah, it's and like they, Pi- it's like Pyatt with the high flyers. You're gonna expect exactly. the he, veterans to step up. Exactly, and um, and the cool thing with them is that their veterans are super young, so they're not like you know 50 year old veterans on their way out, right? Yeah, we're calling Neiman a veteran. Um, He's 23, 24 years old. Exactly, exactly. And um, you know the cool thing is is that all three of those guys showed up on Sunday, and that's why they won because or got to third place because all three of them shot 68. Yeah. Now, how now looking at the whole event in a whole, how did you feel the coverage was? Um, the coverage, the coverage was really good, except for there were some problems on Sunday. Um, now, there were a couple of things that I was a little bit confused by on Saturday, too. Did you have issues with the sound when you first turned it on on Sunday? No, sound was just fine. Um, there were a couple of times where, you know, things glitched out. But anytime that you're in like you know, a, a foreign country or anywhere, you know, on a golf course, you know, you can, you got to get slack when it comes to like yeah. broadcast. And it's the not... first shot. The first exactly. And I mean, you know, golf courses are remote areas. So, I mean, you know, it's not always easiest to get coverage from there sometimes. Yeah. I, I um, love Faraday and Arlo. I think they're a great one-two punch. And hey, you made the show. One of our very own, Jake's tweet, made the show with the pylon, what, pylon crushes? Yeah, pylon punishers. Yeah, so buddy. Yeah, so about a year ago, um, going into Bedminster, you know, I had noticed the word pylon coming up for all the time. And I know that they're taking inspiration from Formula One, but I'm a, I'm a guy from Oklahoma. I don't watch Formula One. <laughs> um, so I had no clue what the word pylon was. was a, I, knew, I know what pylon means, but I yeah, never like heard it before. Like you think yeah. of pylon, you think about the end zone in football. Yeah, I don't think about it in terms of golf, right? And so I think of the word leaderboard. Right. But he kept on saying pylon. So eventually I just tweeted at him. I was like, hey, man, what if I start taking a shot like every time that you uh, say pylon? And he was like, well, that's what it's called, Jake. I go, oh, okay, my bad, dude. I'm sorry. And then <laughs> we kept like tweeting about it like over and over again, saying like, hey, man, I'm, I'm, you know, whatever. And I told him before the event, I'm reloading for this year. I've been prepping all off season to make sure I can survive the round. <laughs> you know, that's a fun game. We should, everyone should, you know, every, you pick a player. And anytime they move up or down the pylon, you see them move up or down the pylon, you take a shot. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that'd be, be out cold at that point. <laughs> a lot of wives will be very unhappy, you know? Exactly. But, yeah, I, I thought the coverage was great. Um, obviously, on Friday, I, I watched it on the Live Golf Plus app um, because I re- really didn't like the CW app. And, and the one issue I do have with both apps is you can't – like, you know when you're watching ESPN Plus or, you know, uh, PGA app or – even like Netflix or HBO Max, you can like swipe up and still scroll and, you know, scroll on Twitter or like check your text messages. And you have the small box on the top of your phone where you can watch and still do other things. The Live Golf Plus app and the CW app didn't allow that. Now, I know I'm nitpicking here, but, you know, when you're used to something, you're used to something. I understand. And both of those these apps, by the way, in their current iteration are pretty new. So Yeah. And Live um, Golf Plus, the number one app in sports in the United States and the UK on Friday and Saturday. So yeah. obviously, you know, we'll get to the ratings in a little bit, but obviously there was some demand there. Yeah. And, you know, the, uh, the really only two things about the broadcast that I, that I would really nitpick on 
Um, I think everything was done was done well. They continued doing the introduction stuff because they made sure that they wanted to they they want to make sure that every single newcomer to the to their format has a has a, a chance to latch on and understand it. Yeah, and I love that. Um, the two things that I would nitpick on um, Saturday, they started the post round show while twenty players were still on the course. Uh. Which not that big, not the end of the world. It is only Saturday, but there was like uh, twenty players with like a hole and a half left, and a couple of them were par fives, right? Um, so that was a little bit concerning. Um, again, not the end of the world. Um, but then the other thing that I was really concerned about was on Sunday, and they did this in Chicago as well. Whenever uh, Cam won there, um, when a player goes into the woods who's actually near the lead. They just have stay zoned in, yeah, and just stayed on the guy with the with the woods, like you know, just make sure that you see every bit of their you know tumultuous tr- struggles. Um, in Jeddah, they had Walking Neiman on camera for twenty minutes trying to move a boulder, um, <laughs> which you know it was very funny because Neiman you know weighs like one twenty, yeah. Um, but the point is, is that while they do that, there's a lot of other things going on in the course. Yeah, and we saw that with Yulon and Gooch on Sunday. Exactly. exactly. A ton of time with Yulon in the woods, a ton of time with Gooch when he was in the woods up against that route. Exactly. And, you know, yes, those guys are in contention for the individual title, but there's so much going on in that moment for the team titles and the team placements uh, that we just missed. Yeah. And so I would, I would ask for Liv to be more mindful of that going forward if you have a leader in the woods. That's, that's a good point. Now, the one thing I did notice that I like, on day one and day two, you pretty much see everybody. You see a ton of shots from everybody. And then on day three, they do focus in on the leaders and the guys that are going to make an impact in the standings. Now, I like that minus, you know, what you said about them going into the woods. You know, you want to spend a couple minutes with them to see the situation they're in here. That, you know, I like hearing the caddies and the players talk. You know, that, that's great stuff. But I enjoyed that they stuck with the leaders, but maybe if they could give us a little bit more of the, because like, I feel like on Sunday, I barely saw Brooks, I barely saw DJ, you know, I barely saw Phil, right? Like, do you agree? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, obviously, yeah, if a player's playing, if a player's not giving you anything to showcase, it's hard to showcase them, right? Yeah, you don't want to see uh, somebody making both. So someone just making pars, you know? Right. And so that that makes sense. However, um, you know, if they could do like a picture in picture where they have the, like, they have the main, the main focus on the, um, the, the group of the woods, the leaders in the woods. And then they do like, Hey, in the bottom left hand, right hand corner, you know, at about like, you know, 25% of the screen, they pop up like elsewhere on the course or or whatever. That's a good idea. We should, we should send a tweet to Arlo and Ferry about that. I, I like that picture in picture. Even a 50-50 picture-in-picture, you know, I'll take that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, just just something to be able to... Now, obviously, the pylon being in the corner, yeah, showcasing everybody, yep. it helps also because you remember that, yes, this person is still playing, and I love that. I love that so much about Liv. Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize it is a shotgun start, but, you know, some people play golf fast, some people play golf slow, so they do finish at different times, you know? Like, granted, it's around the same probably you know, half hour, but, and that's why I like on Sunday that they have the top three leaders, they stagger the start and they tee off, you know, one hole behind everybody else so that, you know, we could get some excitement coming down the stretch. Exactly. And obviously we don't expect every tournament to be a situation where the leader has 
a five shot lead yeah. with three holes left. I mean, we just that's not going to happen every single week. Yeah. It was anticlimactic for the first event. And I'm sure, you know, Liv sitting in the back, the, you know, Norman and the, and the big ups, they would have liked to have somebody like DJ or Cam Smith or Phil or, or Brooks up there. But you know what? Charles Hell III played the best. He put on the best display this week and, and he deserved that four million. You know, you say that, I, I do slightly disagree. Um, okay. It, and the reason why is because of parity, right? You want to showcase that there is parity in your league. If Dustin Johnson wins seven events this year, that's a bad thing for Liv. Yeah, I'm just saying the first event, okay. you have new people watching, you would want, you know, like, you have the, the casual fan that tunes in. They, they don't know who Charles Third is, you know. They want to see Phil Mickelson or Dustin Johnson. So what I'm saying is I, every, on, every, on a week-in-week-out basis, I agree with you, parody's the best, but for the first event of the new year, I feel like the, the big ups and live, the big executives hope, secretly hope that they would have a big star in contention. That you makes know, sense. You know, the, no, rest I, of the rest of the year, parody's okay, but, you know, there was a lot of, well, maybe there wasn't a lot of eyes, we'll get to that soon, but, you know, the casual viewer that's like, you know what, it's on TV, it's on cable, let me check this out for the first time. And they see Charles Hell III, Uline, and Gooch. You know, like those aren't really household names for the casual. Guys like us, we know those guys. But the casual fan that's like, you know, eh, maybe I'll try to live out. You know, they want to see Bubba, Dustin. You know what I mean? No, I, that makes sense. The way that you put it right there, that makes sense. Because you're absolutely right. Um, if, I was, if I was a non-watcher of golf, like a, just a casual person, one thing that Liv has going for it is it does have celebrity personalities, and yep. none of the celebrity personalities were really in contention on Sunday. No. And that was, that would be, you're right, that would be detrimental to the league as far as building an audience off the start. Think about how many eyeballs the PGA Tour gets anytime Tiger tees off that week, you know? That's true. Like, That's Tiger true. brings so many eyeballs to the game. And, I, mean, I mean, the, the hottest thing about, about that, um, uh, the, the Phoenix Waste Management Open was Tiger announcing he's playing at the Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't even playing, but exactly. he, he sent out... Yeah, yeah. But that was the good... you have anything else to, to touch on in regards to the golf action? That, that'd be all. I mean, it was a great event overall, I think. Um, definitely not the ideal course for certain players to play well on, and that's why you didn't see certain players play mm -hmm. well. Um, but as far as Getting back in the groove, I think it was the the best. I think it was great. Yeah, I think it was a good tournament all around. And you know, for the casual fans that did tune in for the first time, and they were like, "Ah, five stroke lead," you know, heading into the last few holes, and like this is boring. Just, just wait. There's going to be some drama. There's going to be some action, especially in the team aspect. You know, there's going to be five teams that are within you know two strokes of each other, and there's going to be five players within a stroke or two of each other coming down. You know, the back nine, it's going to get a lot more exciting. But all in all, for the way they put out the tournament with the apps and the new players, the new, you know, really put together team format. Last year you had the team format, but you had a lot of moving parts, a lot of moving players. I, I give it a solid B plus for the first week. That's a fair, that's a fair grade. I, I, would, I would rate it that way as well. Um, you could tell certain players had, had been working in the offseason. You can yeah. tell certain ones are a little rusty. Things happen. Yep. And good even week. even Phil in the first round, he came out firing hot, you know? And hey, he, but he looked good physically. He does. He does look good physically. Now, in regards to the ratings, that, that was the good. Now on to the bad. But I don't know if it's – there's. You know, I know Liv is going to spin this a certain way, but we'll let you decide. 
Uh, the overnights for Saturday came in and Live Golf on the CW got a 0.2 rating. So let's compare that to the Genesis on last Saturday. That got a 1.8 rating. And two things I want to say. Everybody's making fun of them because they lost to the world's funniest animal show on the CW. That got more higher than a 0.2. You know, whatever. Like, uh, I don't know. It happens. But there was eight affiliates that didn't carry the Live Golf. Eight CW affiliates. Philadelphia, Atlanta, San Francisco. Tampa Bay, Seattle, Detroit, Sacramento, Pittsburgh. Additionally, there was a few other affiliates, Chicago, San Diego, and Hartford, all that did not air live on the CW. So, you know, listen to those cities. Philly, Atlanta, Chicago, Detroit, Sacramento, Hartford, that's all of Connecticut, San Diego, you know, that that that's those are huge population areas. And those are a lot of people that weren't able to watch in the CW. And not to mention how many people watched on Live Golf Plus and, you know, the CW app. Because there's, a, you know, Live said that a lot of their viewers, are, two-thirds of their viewers are 45 and under. People 45 and under are cord cutters. They're streamers. So, granted, it only got a 0.2, but I think there's more to that than meets the eye. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I know, Dixie, that you did wa- didn't watch it on the CW. I on know that weekend. I didn't watch it. Weekend. I watched it on the app. I watched it on the CW app. On the weekend, I watched on the CW because I was flipping back between the Yankees and Saturday. Okay. The Rangers were on. So I was going back and forth between my normal sports action. But on Friday, I used the app. Saturday, I was out in the morning. I used the app. Um, but, you know. I watched, I, I like being able to flip back and forth, you know, between the other games, you know, when there's a little bit of downtime. That's just me. But, you know, like you said, you use the app the whole time. Yeah. And uh, I, I do that simply because I, I just, uh, the app to me is just a little bit yeah, nicer because I don't get localized commercials. That's just, that's really what it is, is I, I like having, um, I like having just the generic ones, which are for the CW itself. Yeah. Because I, I learned about like, hey, all these shows that are on there. I'm like, yeah, oh my Flash, gosh. That's sh- Teen Titans, yeah. right? Lois yeah. and Clark. Yeah. And, and um, I saw a know, lot of uh, superhero commercials and stuff like that. And, yeah. And, and you can't trust ratings exclusively from that because, again, they were pumping the CW app. They were pumping the Live Plus app. And those aren't included in ratings. So I don't know how to take that. I really don't. I'm sure Liv will put out a statement saying we've had X amount of people. Now, the 0.2 is still, uh, I believe it was 5% more than what they got on YouTube last year. Um, So they did get more eyeballs just based off that 0.2. So that's a good sign when you count everybody that was on the app. But like I said, all of golf media, all the PGA you know, diehards and people that hate live are laughing. They're jabbing. They're throwing shots. They're talking about the world worldwide funniest animals beating live this, that, and the other. But you know what? At the end of the day, there's more to it. There, there's always more toward it, and you know, I'm not going to start throwing stones about it until I really understand the full entire conversation. Yeah, and there was people that was set, like. On my in my Twitter, like, oh, maybe they should change this. Maybe they should change that. Like, calm down. Let's not overreact. It's the first event. Let's see what the numbers are at the end of the year when they play fourteen events. Exactly, and, and more importantly, like you're saying, um, 
Liv wants to attract a younger audience. Yeah. If we're attracting a younger audience, do you know anybody under 30 who actually has cable? No. And um, I, I wouldn't, if it wasn't for live sports like the Yankees, Yankees, like, they charge a million dollars for the Yes app and stuff. Like, if it wasn't for that, I would cut cable too. But, you know, like, honestly, I would say probably about three out of four of my friends don't have cable. You know, like, it's every, like everybody who's young doesn't have cable anymore. Exactly. Because I, I don't want one more thing that I'm paying for monthly. Yeah. You know? My brother doesn't have cable. My sister doesn't have cable. My mom doesn't have cable. I'm the only one in my family that has cable, you know? So there's a lot of people that watched it on the app. Yeah. And so I would say take those numbers with a grain of salt. Um, it's nice to see that we're having more eyeballs just in the mainstream media front line yeah. on itself. But I believe the numbers, the true numbers are way higher than what we're talking about. I agree. Now, big news broke. Um, DJ leaving Adidas. A few other guys left their sponsors. Uh, what do you think about that? You know, it makes sense. Um, Liv wants to pump the team aspect, and, the, and they want to have more of a uniform look. You saw that for most of the teams. The Majestics, Surprising, the Majestics yeah. did it the best. Oh, yes, they have. Uh, and, I mean, hopefully we see some awesome pink uniforms for the Range Goats in the future. But Yeah, I didn't see them wearing any pink. Why didn't yeah, they wear it? Like, I know Bubba still has the pink hat. Um, I know Gooch still has some sponsors on there. Obviously, Cam Smith, top three golfer in the world. He still has Titleist. He still has um, a few sponsors on there. So not everybody can get out of the contracts yet. They'll probably wait for the contracts to run out. But I think it's a great idea for them to have, you know, quote-unquote uniform. Well, it's, it's nice for a couple reasons. One, it'll help you more quickly recognize a player. Um, those of us who are stupid fans of golf, like just, just watch religiously. Hey, I, I can spot Louis Ustazen from, from 80 yards away, but, but, but not everybody else can. Yeah, the casual view, it will, will help, them, help them see. Now, I sent out a tweet today, um, a little Q&A for our followers and our listeners, and I picked three questions. So we'll get to the Q&A s- section right now. Number one, um, from TorPro, at TorPro7. What can live change to make the team concept more the center point of the league? The individual side still feels like dominant narrative. Now, I'm going to disagree with TorPro here. I feel like the commentators and everybody have, have been pushing the team side more than the individual side. What do you think? I think you're right on that. However, there are a couple of things that I thought about today that might be able to help the viewer feel that a little bit more. All right, hit us. And, and one thing that I wish they would do is periodically throughout the round or on Sunday, at least on Sunday, um, let's say going into the back nine, if they put up on during their halftime show, if they put up a moniker that showed number of par fives left for each team, okay. to me, that would be like a really big like, like identifier. Like, oh, the four aces are eight shots behind, but they still have five more par fives left than the than crushers do. Yeah. You know, that, that can be a big conversation point. Like, hey, don't count them out yet. There's still have this many par fives left. Yeah. And, that, and I've done that before where I've tried tweeting out like, hey, don't get nervous yet. They still have X number of par fives. Yeah. And, and honestly, like, you know, I don't want to keep bringing up the PGA Tour, but me and Jacob golf fans through and through, we're, we're still watching PGA Tour, DP World Tour, Asian Tour. Live. We're watching it all. We're not haters. But, you know, like when they play some of these courses that you see year in and year out, you know those par fives are coming up. You know, Augusta, for example, you know, the par fives are coming up. So if a guy is, you know, a few strokes behind, you know, he can make up those shots on those par fives. So I think that's a great idea. 
I mean, that's something that I would do. It'd be the easiest way to further bump that competition aspect of awareness for the fan. Um, for you and I, or maybe some of the other people that are like hardcore, hardcore, um, I'm watching, but I also have my phone up and I have like, okay, where are they at in the course? Where did they start? What holes do they have left? Yeah. And if they on the broadcast would bring up, hey, we have this number of many par fives left for the four aces, you know, like a moniker and it shows like, you know, all 12 teams, but how many par fives do they have left? That'd be a helpful thing. Yeah. And and I'm going to give livegolf.com a, a good, you know, a, a good compliment here. Uh, last year, there was times where I looked at the leaderboard and I didn't know where which hole they started on. And this year they have a little arrow there. I don't know. Maybe they put that towards later on last season, but I noticed that this week. I just like the way it looks. Uh, everything about it just makes it to where it's so smooth for you to be able to scroll down and see where they are on the course. Again, where they started on the course. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I do love that. Yeah, they definitely streamlined the app this year and it's a lot, uh, the website this year and it's a lot better than it was last year. Now, Matthew Wolf fan page wrote, how does live capture more of a big event feel? Love the product, but it's missing the hype a bit. Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you, Matthew Wolf fan page. Um, I feel like that's going to come with more reps and, and more tournaments. You know, it's it's still fairly new. It's, you know, like if last year was the, you know, infant, you know, age, you know, now we're, you know, it's the to toddler age, you know. So, yeah, I, I think that towards the end of the year, you know, it's the first tournament of the year. You, you know, every, you know, even like the Century Tournament of Champions, like, there's a little bit of hype, but there's not big hype until they get to the California swing, you know, waste management. So, like, I feel like as the year goes on, there'll be more hype. Once you get the standings after a few events, you know, this guy's only a few points behind this guy. This team's only a few points behind this team. That's when I feel like it will start to get the big event feel. And obviously, the team championship at the end of the year will have a big event feel. What do you That's exactly right. I mean, any, any season in any sport... You can't say opening night has the same gravity that the final regular season game has. No. That's just not how the way it works. No. Um, you, can, you can manufacture that by trying to speak about some majesty. And the PGA Tour has that with Bay Hill because they're going to show you 55,000 promotionals of Arnold Palmer. And rightly so. The guy's a legend. I love him. Um, Genesis, you're going to see all kinds of Tiger Woods stuff. So they have those opportunities to manufacture hype even when the hype isn't there from the actual on-field competition. Yeah, and they could manufacture the hype with, we were here last year, and, you know, XYZ won the tournament last year, and blah, 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 won the tournament three times. Like, this is still new. We don't have that yet. Exactly. And as the season progresses, though, you have the narratives building, you have the gravity building, you have the stories building. And as that happens, you'll see the gravity build, but the gravity can't just show up instantly. If Thanos if Thanos popped up in the very first movie of the entire Marvel series, it, it wouldn't feel the same as if it did when in the actual Marvel series where 40 movies in, now you got Thanos. Exactly. Right? Yep. You build the drama. You know, you see it with wrestling too, you know, like you, you build an angle. You, you you build it, build it, build it in months. So when you finally get that match, you get that huge payoff, everybody goes crazy. So I think that, and honestly, the one thing I think we need, we need some sort of rivalry. If they get a rivalry out there, I feel like that would definitely get heads moving into live and, and moving in the right direction. Now, you got the Brooks-Bryson rivalry that was going on, but I feel like that was more manufactured than anything. But 
Let's say you get a rivalry between the Range Goats and the Aces, like the Yankees and the Red Sox. Obviously, it will never be as exciting or never be as hated as Yankees-Red Sox, but we need a rivalry like that. Yeah, and then that, that will happen eventually, too. You, or you would hope it would happen, because you're right. Because then, so. then you have the, the, the tension vibe. And Liv did try to show that this week. Um, if you noticed, one of the promotionals was talking about the trade between Matthew Wolf, uh, the three-way trade where we saw Gooch go to the Goats, um, Uline went to the Aces, and then Wolf went to the uh, Smash. Smash yeah. and, and Brooks was trying to say that, and, and Brooks in the promo was painted as basically dissing Uline, saying that Matty Wolf was an upgrade. Yeah. And, and, and DJ was like, nah, we won. <laughs> and, and I mean, I'm sorry, but, you know, based on last year's performances and this week right here, I, I, would, I would agree. Yeah. And honestly, it would be exciting to see, you know, Smash and, and Aces, you know, battling down, you know, the final nine holes. We saw that last year in, in was it the uh, team championship? You know, and, you know, Brooks and, and, and DJ, you know, are they friends? Are, are they acquaintances? Are they frenemies? I would love to see that. That would add gravity to it. So, yes, that could be Matthew Wolf fan page. Um, that could be the, the, the angle that would help build gravity. Yep, the secret sauce. Uh, last question, and it's the best question, and it's something that we wanted to talk about, so it's the perfect way to end the podcast. Uh, Trent, at Waco Gasoline, in the various Live Golf Explained promos throughout the broadcast, they noted the bottom four players get relegated, but they also worded it, I think, up to four players. Is this because it would be impossible for a captain to be reg- uh, relegated, or can a team captain be reg- relegated? Um, the simple answer is no. There's Players that are on a multi-year contract can't be reg- uh, re- relegated. Oh, I keep messing up that word, relegated. Um, but they wanted to go, you know, the European route with the soccer slash football, and they want some stakes to be involved. They don't want these players just playing and people to say, "Up, oh, they're just cashing the check. They don't care. They don't need to try. Their their spots, you know, solid." So there's. A process here and i don't know jake you want to take it yeah um i believe exactly what, he, what, what, what you're saying Diggsy, is what's going to happen um if lee westwood this season drops down that low is, are you are you saying they're gonna they're gonna nix lee westwood no yeah no they're not but um like c1 kim if he keeps shooting 23 over he's gone yeah and in all honesty he might be gone next but no, i'm just kidding <laughs> i mean <laughs> we've seen he can play well but this course is not a course where he could play well yes um it's just, I'm sorry, this is not the course that he could play well on. Uh, I've seen him on open courses, on Lynx style courses, which is Bangkok and Jeddah, played well. I've seen him on the uh, on tight courses like this, not good, <laughs> ugly. Yeah. Um, but um, the point is, is that they have to have something in place to be able to effectively, peacefully kick players out that aren't being helpful to the league and allow and, players to earn their spot on the tour, right? Without being you know, a name elsewhere to where they have to go and chase down players every single week and go, Hey, um, Xander Shoffley, do you want $140 billion to come over here? Yeah, exactly. They don't want, they don't want to do that. And no. this is also an awesome opportunity to hypen up the, uh, Asian international events where you're seeing players like Andy Ogletree just dominating. Out yeah, there he right leads, now. he leads the money list right now. He does. And yeah. I'm excited for him. I hope he gets on the team next year. Yeah. The, the way it is right now, he will. So pretty much the way it's going to work is there's four spots up for grab, okay? The leader of the International Series Order of Merit will automatically be on live next year, a.k.a. the Scott Vincent 
title he got there this year. And then there's going to be a playoff system where there'll be like a kind of like a Q school event that the next three players on the Asian tour will be able to gain their live status. So I don't know. There's a whole big thing about how that's going to go. I don't want to get into that right now. But in regards to live, the way it's going to work is if you finish 1 to 24, your spot is secure on your team next year. Well, okay. not on your team, but in the league. So no, on friends, your team. It's on your team. Um, I remember it being just, just in the league period uh, because like uh, Harold Varner in the promotional said not necessarily on that team. Oh, really? Because it says here, Golf Digest said that for players who finish between 25 and 44, they'll be put into a transfer market in which other teams may pick them up. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, so my understanding is 1 to 24, you're secure on your team. Obviously, okay. there still can be trades, what have you. But if you finish 25 to 44, you're in the transfer market, and they'll have some sort of draft where, okay, I want this guy. You know, whoever finished last will get the first pick, and then whoever finished first will get the last pick, and they'll fill out this. So pretty much you're going to have two guys, you know, that's solid on your team. The captain is going to be there. They'll have the other guy that finished in the – or maybe if you have a team that kills it like the Aces and you have all four guys in the top 24, all four of them will stay. You know, and then 45 to 48 will be relegated. They'll be able to play on the Asian Tour. And then the top Asian Tour International Series Order of Merit winner and three winners from the Asian Tour Q School will come on the team and get drafted to another team. And I'm sure they'll explain more of this in, in depth through Live itself. This is basically our translation of what we know right now. Exactly. Yeah. And I did some digging today, and that's pretty much what I found today. And honestly, when we had Travis Smythe on the podcast last year. I hope he, I hope he gets back up, by the way. He's yeah, a cool guy. Yeah, and he was killing it last year. If they had this system in place, I think he ended like sixth or fifth, so he definitely would have gotten into that playoff and that Q school. But he told us, he said that next year, the way it's going to work is the winner gets on, and then we're going to have some sort of Q school playoff. Just think about that excitement. Not, you know, live season's over, okay? But you got the Asian tour. And it's a playoff to see who will make it on to live and get life-changing money. Well, and one thing I hope I see, and I really do hope I see this, I would love for the Asian Tours International Series events to be broadcast as if they're live golf events. Yeah. And when I say that, I mean like on the CW, um, and then also the, the Q School event be treated like a live event as far as full-on broadcast and focus. Let's get these guys' stories. Let's let's have Faraday in there. Let's build the narrative to where these guys aren't just unknowns when they do come on, on the league next year. Yeah. I, I, I believe that the Q School will be broadcast. I believe Travis, if, if I remember correctly, Travis did say that. Um, but having these other and, – and just think about the time difference. These events are happening at you know 6 a.m., you know 8 a.m. in the morning over there in, in Asia. So we can easily watch them before Live Golf. It's not going to take away from Live Golf. Right. And if they just have them on like the CW app or the Live Golf Plus app on its own, that's still a better option than we have right now where you would have to buy. I believe the only way to watch the Asian tour right now, at least here in America, is if you bought the Golf Channel Plus version or whatever the... Uh, the yeah. Golf yeah. How about that? How about in the Czech Republic and I believe another um, Eastern European country, Live Golf is on Golf Channel. Which is hilarious. <laughs> how, how great is that, right? That's hilarious. Like you it's got hilarious. Randall Chambly out there, you know, throwing bombs at all the live supporters and the live golfers about supporting a regime, this, that, the other. 
And now you got Golf Channel Broadcasting, Live Golf, his employer. I thought that was hilarious. Me too. I found that very, very funny. But um, yeah, so that pretty much does it for this week in Mayakoba. Um, the next event is, is it Tucson? It or is Orlando? Tucson. Tucson. It'll be Tucson. All right. So the next event will be in Tucson, 18 days away, March 17th to March 19th. Um, we will be back with uh, a preview for that show and a recap. Um, if there's any news in between, we'll come. But I feel like the news for now is pretty much dead. Um, you know, we'll just yeah. get excitement for the next tournament. Exactly. The, uh, there is going to be an international event, um, I believe, uh, next week. which In uh, Thailand, right? Yes. And that I've looked at who's on the roster for that. There's not any live players on that roster right now. Okay. Um, they can still register and show up. So, you know, we may see a couple of the players show up there, but we've seen live veterans on that roster. So we see guys like Ogletree. We see, uh, um, uh, we also see a, a, a former PGA tour winner on there who I think is trying to play his way onto the live circuit, which is, uh, uh, Sung Moon Bay. Oh, Bay Sung Moon. he's back. Yeah, he's been on the uh, international series events all season long so far, and he's he's made the cut, um, but he's not like contending yet. Yeah, it looks like that tournament's the weekend before Tucson, so yes. I doubt any live golfers are going to make the trek to Thailand and then back to you know Tucson. But even though Tucson is on the west coast of the United States, it's probably not that far of a trip as it would be if they were playing in DC, but. Hey, it's still some golf, and, you know, obviously the PGA Tour has Arnold Palmer, a great event this week. So, you know, if you're a golf fan, there's plenty of golf to go around while you wait in the two, three weeks for live. Absolutely. Back. But, uh, yeah, please follow us on Twitter, at 54LivePodcast. Um, subscribe, rate, review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, episode two is in the books. The first live golf event is in the books. And as of right now, Charles L. the third is the live golf champion. Jake, you got anything to add? No, it's just a great week, a great time. And thank you for having me on Daisy. This is going to be uh, an awesome season and I'm excited. Definitely. Me too. I'm excited. It's going to be a fun year. Uh, take care, Jake. And to all of our listeners later.